we're going to do whatever we can to manage the business and we're not going to worry about what the Fed does or doesn't do. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of business owners out there are doing the same thing. And a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are like, meh. We're, dat- we're data driven, just like the Fed. It's not even that. It, it's that I'm trying to mind, mind the data in our own ecosystem. Mm. I can't control the, the external factors. Mm-hmm. I can only react to them at this point. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. I am fresh off a flight. Saeed is fresh off a cranky-ass mood. We are ready to go. Chris does not have a fresh haircut. That's okay. I I do not. Well, we've had some uh, challenges with our barber selection as of late. It's been, it's been a little challenging. We are, we're going to figure out a solution so that I won't be hideous anymore. We can actually put this on YouTube at some point in time. At some point in time. I keep flexing saying, you can find this episode on YouTube. Guess what? Can't. You've been a liar every single time. Yeah, I have people hit me up. It's my fault. It's my fault. Hey, man, I can't find you guys on YouTube. And I'm like, yeah, it's because site's a liar. I'll tell you right now, I'm devoting the entire weekend to DaVinci Resolve. That's a lie. That's and the, the lie detector system, that was a lie. GDP report shows economic growth slowed in the first quarter. I saw this article and I thought, fuck, are we really going to do this again? I'll get into why that sentence, that statement, the title from the Wall Street Journal article is a bit more complicated than it sounds. Yes. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on First Republic and what that could mean in the days to come, particularly ahead of the next FOMC meeting, which is scheduled for May 3rd. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a rhetoric around the housing market, and is there a correction? Is it stalling? We got some data and some charts, which if you have time to click in the show notes, I would highly recommend you take a look at some of these charts. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to talk about where, the, where that is. Has it bottomed out? Is, is there more to come? What does the data say, despite what we have opinions on? We want to actually stick to the data every once in a while. Sometimes. Sometimes. Then uh, one of the things that Said and I have done before in previous years that I think we still enjoy doing is talking about some of the world's billionaires we have to i, I like doing this I, ever since i was a kid man one of my friends did this as a kid and i never really understood it and now more than ever i get it but i've done it every year for multiple years i will say it's still cringe to me a little bit that it comes from forbes because i know what forbes has become right but the list this year is in and of itself is interesting plus they actually separated out athletes and talked about athletes that are billionaires they talked about because that's a, a finally becoming a real thing yeah, so it used to be just families and individual billionaires that they mm-hmm. talk about, and there was the list. Right. And now they've kind of gotten into a little bit more. So they went into 
The list even has people who've fallen off the most of being a billionaire. It's a really interesting kind of dichotomy, if you will. Elon's got to be up there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then, you know, if there's time, we'll round out a little bit of fat jokes. Dan, for Saeed. Done. Yeah. Count me in. Yeah. I'm trying to keep you motivated. Yeah, thank you. I want you to Honestly, keep working on you. I, I'm of the select few. Fat shaming actually helps me. I know. that. That's I, why I'm doing it. I appreciate it. And Arun and I had a talk off camera and microphone and uh he said that he's still hurt by some of the hurtful things that you said what did i say in the last couple of shows i actually asked a bunch of listeners and they said you did not come off as the villain you saw you came off as a really nice guy yeah because i didn't want to interrupt somebody's dinner how am i how am i the asshole they here? don't they know that your ego is so wrapped in this good guy image they're trying to not not hurt your feelings they just don't want to be bullied by you either that's so by but yeah they don't want to be bullied by you say that's so true far from arun yes, i love you and i respect your opinion Thank you, man. I love you too. Thank you, and I really, I really do. I really mean that sincerely. So, so, the, I, so I, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. So the GDP report shows economic growth slowed in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go ahead and read this quote? <laughs> All right, into it, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, U.S. gross domestic product. As we know, is a measure of the value of all the goods and services produced in the country. Mm -hmm. And this is a little bit more controversial than just us telling you what GDP means because we've had a period of time from January 1, 2022 to June 30th, 2022, where you had two successive quarters of negative GDP growth. And normally, most people would go, oh, shit, that's a recession, kids. That would normally be declared a recession. It was declared a recession 10 out of the last 10 times. But not. This last time, at least not yet anyway. Right. And that has always kind of been our contention on the show is that we've always been in a recession since then. And this may be one of the longer recessions we've ever had or experienced. And, and that, that sounds actually somewhat reasonable when you think about it in the context that we've had, you know, 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation, an unprecedented period of prolonged healthy economy, and if right. not too healthy of an economy, right? Mm -hmm. This prosperous economy that typically would go from seven to 10 years went from about 14 years. Yes, exactly. So. It makes total sense that you could have a very prolonged period of recession that started from January 1, 2022 and goes much farther than just a year or 18 months. Right. You know, maybe two years. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why we haven't heard from the National Bureau of Economic Research who would normally declare a recession. Maybe they're thinking, you know what, guys? I know that this could be a recession or it could not, but if we use this as a starting point, mm -hmm. when would the stopping point be? And they're probably looking at the data saying, well, I don't see a stop to this recession yet. Right. There has been no signs. If anything, it's just getting worse. I actually think they're all out on PTO. Yeah. Well, GDP uh, rose at uh, at an inflation. Uh, rose at an inflation? Is that what it's saying? Rose. At an inflation rate or rose at a rate of 1.1%. doesn't say the word rate there. Is that missing? Probably. Anyway, uh, a seasonally adjusted 1.1% annually from January to March. A significant slowdown from two point was it eight percent growth? Six, two point six. Jesus Christ, I'm blind. I, I should admit. So me flying as much as I do, one of the things I always do when I get off planes, my vision just goes to shit. It goes, it goes off. It's pretty bad. So I know that it, it's me tonight. So I apologize. But two point six percent growth for the fourth quarter. The Commerce Department said Thursday. So I know going from two point six percent, which sounds like a small number, down to one point one percent, which also sounds like a small number, but not too far off from two point six percent. Doesn't sound like a lot, but, but that's actually a lot for GDP. It's a lot, and if and to take it back a step further, Q3 of 2022 was at 3.2%. Yeah. So this downward trend from 3.2% Q3 to 2.6% to now 1.1%, this is all going according to plan. The Fed's plan. The Fed's plan. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like I know this is a sharp decline and some people would be freaking out, but you have to understand that this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is this is what they've been trying to accomplish. Yes, but so here's the problem with at least in my mind, with some of the things we've seen. Right. Is if you start to see numbers come down in an aggressive cadence, it isn't just like it hits a wall and it stops. Mm -hmm. So now you've seen a larger and larger decrease in GDP. Yes. And we're still going into another 25 basis points, presumptively on May 3rd, unless mm -hmm. something happens between now and then, and we have some theories on what that could be. Right. So is the next one going to be negative? <sighs> and we have some data, which we can talk about, and some charts that come from a Wall Street Journal article as well. But this Wall Street Journal article uh, goes on to say consumption, the main driver of the economy, mm -hmm. was a bright spot fueled by an ability to spend from higher incomes and built-up savings. Consumers right. propped up growth with a surge of buying earlier in the year that has since abated. Yep, so those numbers are consumer spending was up 3.7% in Q1. That's up from a 1% increase in Q4 of 2022. Consumer spending actually made up of 70% of the GDP. So this to me was wildly telling. Yes. And I think for a lot of people who read the article, you can kind of go through it and they really didn't talk about the kind of the underlying suggestion. Yeah. The underlying suggestion here is that there hasn't been a pullback in consumer discretionary spending. If anything, right. it's increased. Right. And consumers who should be afraid of what they're seeing in the in the news and the media, they're going, Okay, you know what? Yeah, there's been layoffs, but that's in banking. Or yeah, there's layoffs, but that's in the tech sector. Right. And I don't think that people are really looking down the road far enough to say, okay, I'm concerned because this could happen to me in three months, in six months. Mm -hmm. So if the Fed's trying to do things like pull liquidity out of the markets, which ultimately increases unemployment as well and drops, wage, drops wages, right? and people had this higher savings historically than they normally had because of all the pandemic-related stimulus. Right. And frankly, some of the political agenda that we see going into the November 24 election, th this consumer who's spending isn't buying. It. Right. They're not believing what the Fed is trying to show them. Right. And what was really shocking to me out of all this was how this wasn't actually talked about more today. No, it was across all media outlets. It was it was not it was it was actually pretty hard for me to find the articles. Right. Every everything was on like big tech earnings. Yeah. It was all big tech was up all across the board. So I've got a theory that I've been meaning to discuss with you and I, maybe this is kind of a good pause to talk about it. I feel like the media both social media and mainstream media has maybe it's cuz we're older, maybe we just see it. Mm. They have a very different but yet visible grasp on what people think. And it's almost like this herd mentality where it's no longer what can we provide value with, it's what gets the most shocked to get the most views. Absolutely, yeah. And GDP, which this is an important thing, but because most people don't understand the inherent value and what this is saying on a go forward, this is foreshadowing. Coincidence, so coincidence that you're bringing this up on a day when Jerry Springer passed away. He did pass away. He rest in yeah. peace. You know that, that talk about shock. People tuning yeah. in, tuning in just for the shock. 
I'm not going to lie. I, I, I used to watch a couple episodes from time to Everyone time. Everyone would because you wanted to see, like, man, who's going to flip out this It was so time? compelling. Right. But now you get that every day on social media, and it's so destigmatized right. that in order to see something that really shocks you, I mean, people got to go to a fucking extreme, man. Mm-hmm. They got to go far. Yeah. And to now, really, yeah, to really provide some shock. This morning, I mean, honestly, I, I look at some of the stuff that's going on in the economy and some of this data that came out. We're going to go to the next chart. It's, it's the first chart from the Wall Street article, article titled about the same. Yeah, real GDP change from previous year. Mm-hmm. And I, I put two charts in. This is the first of the two that I put in. And I know that people who are driving or listening or in the gym working out, we love you. You can't see this. I'm going to try to explain it to you, okay? So this chart shows real, DP, GDP, real GDP gross domestic product change from the previous quarter, right? Mm-hmm. And it shows Q1 2023 at 1.1%, right. which is a healthy positive number. And the Wall Street Journal has forecasts for the next several quarters. Matter of fact, the next year. Right. So the immediate next quarter, the Wall Street Journal shows as slightly above zero, but certainly below one. And best believe that report is going to be discussed and talked about far greater than this one was. A hundred percent because a, well, it could in theory be negative as well. Right. So, but they are saying, at least the Wall Street Journal is forecasting that now, so Q2 will be, according to them, will be slightly positive. It's the hint, a hair over 0%, but mm-hmm. below 1%. But Q3, according to them, will be negative. And it'll be negative more than the previous quarter was positive, but still less than one. I found it very interesting that out of out none of the forecasts had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. So that's what I'm getting to. And then, of course, the, the fourth quarter, according to this forecast, is a slight blip above zero. It's barely even recognizable as, mm-hmm. as a number. And then the quarter after that, a year mm-hmm. later, right. they're, they're predicting about a 1% GDP growth. Right. So now keep in mind, this is the Wall Street Journal forecast. And as you get closer and closer in proximity in time, everybody's forecast gets more and more accurate. Absolutely. I mean, but even, it's, it's almost like they're trying the, to portray it. The Atlanta Fed just a couple of weeks ago who track this as, a, you know, they have a GDP now feature that um, you can go on and check. It fluctuates, I think, weekly. It fluctuates pretty pretty aggressively, too. Yeah. You'd be kind of surprised how but some of the data just, that comes out. Just like two, three weeks ago, uh, GDP now was at, like, above 3%. Yeah. You know, so think about it. Now we're at 1.1%. And a huge reason for the, the decline this time around was businesses drew down inventory and uh, cut equipment purchases. And there was a huge reduction in uh, housing investment. Mm, okay. So um, non-residential equipment investing declined 7.3%. That's the largest drop since early in the pandemic. And residential investment declined 4.2% in Q1. And yet you still see realtors on social media talking about how like, booming their business is. Yeah. And we'll get into a little bit of that later in the show, too, because we have some data as it relates to the housing market and some other really good charts. But the second chart I wanted to show from the same Wall Street Journal article was contributions to quarterly change in GDP. Mm -hmm. They basically took three categories, okay? Okay. Category number one is personal spending. Mm -hmm. Category number two is net exports. And category number three is other. And the reason why I thought this chart was important was really the personal spending. So if you go back to Q1 2021, it's almost entirely personal spending. Yeah. Like, it's almost all... People were spending. They were out there blowing money. Consumer discretionary spending was at a high. And then Q2 of 2021, it literally was all personal spending. And then you had net exports and other as negative, right? Mm-hmm. Well, flash forward to this last quarter. Right. And you still have got 
about half as much spending, personal spending as you did in Q1 of 2020, 2021. And you have some negative in, in the other category. Right. But you can see how personal spending, consumer discretionary spending, yeah, man. is propping up the economy right now. And yet we know, just on a factual, non-opinion basis, what the Fed is doing will ultimately increase unemployment. And it's one of the metrics they look at in order for them to say, okay, mm-hmm. should we stop or should we cut rates? Right. So for people to say, okay, you know what? The Fed has been at this for some time. They raised rates over 5%, the Fed funds target rate. And yeah, certain sectors and certain businesses have had some trouble. But for people to go, oh, well, you know what? It's not going to affect me or like jobs aren't going to be crushed. We, mm. you know, it's a different economy now and unemployment's low and it's going to be low per, in perpetuity because there's just so much demand. I would say you, you wildly don't understand and are confused as how this works because the right. Fed's not going to cut rates right. until those numbers start aligning with their expectations. Right, especially like after this earnings season when you got big tech. So I had, I had this here. Big tech, they were all up today across the board. Meta was up like 14%, Amazon 4.5%. I think uh, um, Google up 4%. Zuckerberg had like a $10 billion single day increase in his net worth because of the stock increase. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that goes to show you. And there was this huge fear going into this earnings season mm-hmm. that there was going to be a lot, of, a lot of negativity, right, around this season that companies weren't going to hit earnings, right? But especially for big tech, they had those layoffs and they that helped contribute to, you know, meeting earnings. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, how do they make sure they continue to meet earnings? And companies across the nation, right, especially public companies, what are they going to have to do to maintain? Yeah, it, it's, all, it's all about expense management now. Yeah. You're not going to increase revenue. You're not going to continue to make as much money as you once did. You're going to have to manage expenses in order to keep your profitability the same. Right. So if you're making less money up top, revenue. Mm-hmm and your expenses stay the same, then the net difference is lower profitability to you. Right. Which is reflected in your earnings per share. Yep. But if you can drop the expenses because you're making less money and keep the, the difference between your top-line revenue and your expenses that delta the difference the same or better, mm-hmm. then you can pump up your earnings per share. Yep. Now, obviously, human capital is one of the easiest places for this to happen, but I'll give you a great example where earnings per share sometimes doesn't mean as much as you think it might have. Okay. Sure. Bankers pitch to save First Republic. Mm. Help us now or pay more later when it fails. This is according to a CNBC article, which is in the show notes once again. This article is interesting because it came on the heels of their earnings call. And believe it or not, they actually beat analyst expectations for their earnings. Yeah, I know. I saw that. They were like $1.21 versus like $1.15. Mm-hmm. But it didn't stop the market's reaction to other problems within the institution. Right. So those of you who have been following along the story, you recall that two major inflows of, of capital came went to them. I shouldn't say capital, deposits, liquidity, right? Inflow number one is they got a $70 billion loan from the Fed. Right. Right. Then somehow 11 banks, one of which, the largest of which being Jamie Dimon's JP Morgan Chase, he kicked in $30 billion. And people were like, what in the fuck is well, going he, on over there? Them and the uh, 10 other banks. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. 10 other banks, 11 total. What's going on over there? If they're getting a hundred billion dollars, like right. how bad could it possibly be? Yeah. Well, we now know. <laughs> we now know they lost a hundred billion dollars in deposits. Yeah, not only lost a hundred billion deposits, apparently their loan book had about twenty-two billion in unrealized losses based on the market value of its loans. Yeah. So they they catered to high net worth individuals, and it, look, 
The loan book stuff, I mean, I look at that and I'm like, eh. I mean, that's kind of all loans made in the last several years as interest rates have risen. Right. But it certainly compounds the issues that they're dealing with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 100% there. So what I'll say is this. Their stock hit an all-time low after that. And I think it's still hovering between the 5 and the $6 range. Yeah, I think it dropped like 95% or something, right? Yeah. And they were at once at, I think, like $144 or something crazy. God damn. So it, this has been bad for them. <laughs> Well, bad. That's not an understatement. Yeah. So $6.19, Varun just pulled it up. Thank you very much. I hate to laugh at it. I mean, I hate to laugh at it too, but it's it's a reality. So this, the first three bullet points in this article were all you really need to read. Okay. Advisors to First Republic will attempt to cahole. 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 Is that what it says? That's what it says, right? Good job, Hugh Sun. Hugh Sun. That's the person who wrote the article, right? Yeah, it's, it's a very weird choice of word. Oh, everyone pulled up the word. Oh, like, persuade, persuade to do something. Why not say persuade? Yeah. Like, why do you have to Listen, be overtly fancy? Hugh, don't try to flex on everybody with your SAT vocabulary, okay? I really wasn't sure that meant persuade, so I'm glad you looked that up. Thank you, Arun. Yeah. I appreciate you, unlike the other co-hosts of The Higher Standard. Wow. All right. So, advisors to First Republic will attempt to persuade <laughs> the big U.S. banks who've already propped it up into doing one more favor, CNBC is Talk learned. about having, like, the homie hookup. So, I think what they were trying to mention is cojones. <laughs> <laughs> not to be confused with cojones. <laughs> yeah, not to be confused with, That's what I heard. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I think what's going on here is, that, I mean, first of all, that's pretty fucked up. So, if the Fed comes through and gives you a $70 billion loan, and then yeah. J.P. Morgan Chase and 10 other banks come through and give you $30 billion Imagine more. Imagine they, they come knocking like, hey, we know the Fed gave you $70, 70 billion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not enough. Y'all going to need some more. <laughs> and can you imagine these guys calling back, hey, man, you know how you, you gave us that $30 billion? That was very kind of you. I appreciate it. That saved us. We're going to need you to do that again. Yeah, I'm going to need to run that back. Yeah. And basically, what do they need them to do? So basically, they want, they, they want them to buy some of their securities above, above, market, mar- yeah. above market value. So I like, want hey, you man, to pay more for this. That's I got like these... me going to you saying, hey, man, Saeed, yeah. I'm broke, bro. I need some help. Like, you see this Rolex I got right here? <laughs> no, worse. Th- this Way Rolex, worse. This Rolex I paid 14 grand for, but I need you to pay me 20 for it. Wait, no, it's way worse than that. It's like, hey, Chris, you see these Travis Scott's I got on? So I've been rocking them, wearing them around, around town for the, last, for the last year. Oh, and they're scuffed up. They're not doing too well. They don't look as good. But I need you to pay above bear market value right now. So I need, I need you to give me original, original. That was such an unbelievable story that I spit up myself a little bit. I was like, that, that's, that's, he's never, no, he's never worn those shoes. Probably framed in plexiglass at your house right now. Yeah. Anyway, so here's the pitch from the article. Bullet point number two. The pitch is something like this. Okay. Just let's spitball some ideas here, JD. Jamie Diamond. Yeah, imagine, imagine coming to Jamie with this. Jamie's going, what the fuck are you talking about? Listen, Jamie, you've got a girl's name, okay? I need you to think with a, a softer approach. Yeah. Okay. Try to pretend like you're not you, you know, the banker <laughs> and uh Mr. Big Shot. Try try to come at this with a caring and more thoughtful approach. I know it's gonna sound bad, but just hear me out. Yeah. I just want you to be fair right. and democratic about what I'm about to say to you. Right. Okay. So purchase bonds from First Republic at above market rates for a loss mm. of a few billion dollars. Mm. A few billion. Okay. Not all your billions. Just right. a few of them. Right. Just a little bit. Okay. If not, if you don't, I'm just saying me to you, friend to friend, like mm-hmm. spitballing here, hypothetical. Okay. <laughs> if you don't do this, JD, 
Uh, these same banks will face roughly $30 billion in FDIC fees when First Republic fails. And, and I, I don't, oh I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here, my friend. Yeah. That means you. Yeah, exactly. So if you don't help me out, you're getting fucked regardless. So you might as well get some good PR out of it. So do you want to lose a couple billion or do you want to lose 30 yeah. billion? Right. Exactly. I'll be right here when you call. Yeah. So uh, part of First Republic's pitch to other banks, the big banks would have to pay up anyway if First Republic failed, as Chris just mentioned. Right. If the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation guaranteed all depositors, the other banks would be hit with a special assessment for a federal insurance fund. If the FDIC didn't guarantee depositors, the banks would take a haircut on their uninsured deposits. There is, however, a third bullet point. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure this was Jamie Dimon's retort. Mm -hmm. Well, allow me to retort to you, sir. Do it. The advisors have already lined up potential purchasers of new First Republic stock if they can fix the bank's balance sheet according to the sources. Right. So if you're Jamie Dimon, you go, hey, man, I hear what you're trying to say. And I feel like it might be a little bit of blackmail. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to say to you. Okay. Fuck off. <laughs> and go sell your shitty bank to somebody who gives a fuck. Yeah, exactly. Fix your balance sheet. Right. Okay? I picture Jamie. Do you, have you ever seen the movie Rounders? Yeah. Uh, I picture him being the KGB guy KGB? With, the or, with the Oreo. Chick, 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 chick. <laughs> <laughs> All you do is chick. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, not going to happen, chief. So basically what, what Jamie and a lot of the people in the industry, at least. Yet, let him go. At least this is what a lot of people in the industry are, are reporting, is that they don't feel like the, the 11 homies that came out to help him the first time around should come out because the Fed caused this. You guys caused this mess with your high interest rates, so go ahead and fix it because we're not going to help out. Yeah, but it's pretty much an accurate statement, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So also for reference, so uh, banks pay an assessment. I don't know if we've discussed this on the show before, but they pay an assessment into the insurance fund so that the FDIC mm -hmm. has funding when banks fail. Uh, last month, two big bank failures, uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, cost uh, the FDIC $22.5 billion. So this was kind of what was alluded to when the early conversations about um, Silicon Valley Bank's failure and the subsequent, we're going to prop up the depositors. Yes. This was that part of all the articles that came out that said, oh, the other banks will pay for it. You, the taxpayer, won't. That's what they were referring to. Right, exactly. Because I think there's a misconception that the FDIC is backed by the Treasury, but it's not. FDIC is backed by all the other banks. Yeah, and it's an insurance company. So yeah. just like when you buy insurance for your car, mm -hmm. you pay for it every single month, and you pay into your insurance fund, mm -hmm. somebody else's insurance isn't going to pay for it. It's your insurance. And exactly. if it's somebody else's fault, then they'll, they'll pay for it. But that, that's, the FDIC is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And in case you were curious, as of December 31st, 2022, uh, the deposit insurance fund balance was $128 billion. It sounds really low when you think about it in the context <laughs> of like, Damn, so y'all can cover about five banks? Four banks? Yeah. Depending on size? Sounds, sound, yeah, a little bit like that. <laughs> it's, it's a little scary. Yeah. Well, that's why regulation is so important, kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why you don't want your shit decentralized. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, let's have a moment of silence for cryptocurrency. <laughs> gonna happen you know it's gonna happen it's so hard to say goodbye 
to cryptocurrencies. It's not though. It's very easy. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of already happened. Yeah. What is the last time? Right, you were seeing that all over the news. Oh, crypto to the moon, bro. Like, dude, she be Diamond you. hands, bro. Yeah, I'm going to take come rocket to the moon, man. And like, everyone is all about that shit. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you heard any of that? I swear to you, I'll dump money into the inverse Kramer fund before I ever buy crypto. Or you make money. I'm telling you, it's you, crushing. Guaranteed. That fucking guy. <laughs> I, I swear to God, it, it's at the point now where I just, I can't take it. All right, whatever. Yeah. Next article might seem like a swerve from what we we're talking about, but allow me to explain. Okay. Explains. Okay? Oh, we're going to talk a little bit more about First Republic and, and again, the impacts to you. But what we're trying to do here is set up a little bit of the context of the economy and kind of what you're hearing. Mm -hmm. And then we'll take it back, full swing, circle back to where we were at before and give you some data. So this article from Fortune, housing market correction is running on fumes as Case Schiller reports the first U.S. home price uptick since June. These two charts tell the story. Mm. simple right so simple it sounds like a really positive article you're like oh shit uptick in prices uptick that that's 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 interesting <laughs> wow I thought, it, I thought it was supposed to go down it's it, it's not going down and some people who are in the areas where you know values haven't gone down a whole lot are like see man i fucking told you man you know the fuck you're talking about man prices are going down Dude, man, they're, they're going up bro it's, it's to the point now where people are actually hitting me up like hey man you said this shit was coming down the fuck's going up people apparently there's some markets people are like, yeah, dude, like shit, then my neighborhood dropped by eight, 10%. It's very hit or miss. It's very interesting right. to see how it's going to be like, I don't know. You know how like Irvine's its own little sub market? Yeah, but here's the thing is I think people think that there's some markets that are just like immune to it. No, they just, they don't go along with, you know, other markets. Or it just takes time. Yeah. All the markets don't just drop at the same time. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Everybody's value went down 10% this month. Sorry, guys. It, <laughs> everybody's markets, you know, it, it, it takes time. Yeah. Like, the, it'll, it'll eventually get there. I really, truly believe that. So, this from the article. As of February, U.S. home prices are just 2.8% below their seasonally adjusted peak in June of 2022, or down 4.9% without seasonal adjustment. Mm. On a year-over-year -year basis, national home prices are up 2%. Okay, let's be clear here. Either way, these are not big swings. No. The reason national home prices fell in the second half of 2022 boils down to the fact that housing affordability. I've heard that before. Where have you heard that before? I heard it right here. Oh, yeah? What did you hear per se? Uh, demand without affordability is... Not fucking demand. Yeah, that's right. Or better put, the lack of affordability has reached levels not seen since the housing bubble. So this article right here proves why we've been saying that for so long. Mm -hmm. Demand without affordability is not demand. Supply did not increase. Did not. Shit just got more expensive. Right. You know, okay. actually, inventory right now is at like 2.6 months. Yeah, which is extremely low. That's wildly low. Six months you know would why? be a healthy Because people are like, I'm not selling my house and getting out of this rate. Yeah. But transaction volume's down. Transaction volume's down yeah. a lot, yeah. So. That is the result of mortgage rates spiking from 3% to over 6% just after the U.S. home prices ran up 41% during the pandemic housing boom. Okay. So now that this kind of bigger, broader picture has been uh, presented, mm -hmm. the two charts that Arun's going to pull up, the first one is, is a bit of a different chart to read. So basically what I'll explain is Everything in blue is a positive trend in the economy. Everything in red is a negative trend. It's going down. Yep. And you can see, and the red comes from top down, the blue goes from bottom up. 
Mm-hmm. And you can see on this chart pretty clearly that there have been certain periods of time that are much smaller generally of negative growth in home values yes. versus positive growth in home values, which does kind of buy into the whole consensus theory that generally speaking, over time, home prices will rise. Right. But you can see how in 2006, all the way to, uh, you know, call it 2010, home values were largely down. And then around 2011 to 2012, home values largely went down again. Mm-hmm. And since then, we haven't seen anywhere near the, the size and scale of corrections until this last year. Right. Now, what I would say is if you look at the breadth of the recessionary economy that was the Great Recession, there is nothing as big or broad as that on this chart by far. Not even close. Not 2001, not 2020, mm-hmm. but 2003. Yeah. 2023, I should say. Our current year we're in looks like the beginning of a very, very challenging recessionary economy. If you look at the chart. Right. And what I'll tell you is, I want you to look at the recessionary economies that you saw here. And let's look at the two biggest bumps on this chart. Mm-hmm. 2006, when it started, it didn't just spike up. Right. It went up a little bit, dipped, and then went up a lot more. Right. Dipped, and then went up a lot more. Mm-hmm. And what that's really saying is values decreased, and they went back up a little bit. Right. And they decreased even more than they did when they decreased. And they went back up a little bit. Right. And they decreased again significantly. Yeah. So for people to think this is just a waterfall straight down, they don't understand how this works historically. Mm-hmm. And this chart shows you that it is, in fact, lumpy. And if the housing market did recover a little bit in the next year or two, or you call it year or six months, mm. it would not be out of line with what we've typically seen with recessionary impacts to home values. Mm. So don't, don't think that if home values are recovering in some markets or the values haven't been lost, yeah, that this is not in fact a recession, or what we've been telling you about the housing market and how it's going, the home prices are going to continue to go down, is inaccurate. I think people are just expecting to see instantaneous changes in the markets. That's not how it works, and it takes time. It takes it, time, especially not in this in this industry. Also, in this in this sector, too, uh, pending home sales declined for the first time since November in March, down five point two percent month over month, twenty three point two percent year over year. Not a not a shocker when we, as you cited, rates go up from three percent to six percent. Mortgage rates are trending up higher this week again. They're now at six point four three percent for a thirty year fixed. Four week average is six point three four percent. So this is across the nation. Down eight percent in the West. Down ten point seven percent in the Midwest. Down eight point one percent in the South, and actually up zero point two percent in the South. Mm, yeah. yeah, which again it goes to speak to that. Yeah regional difference and i can tell you like it's not values don't just drop across the country all at the same time it yeah. takes takes time i think i misspoke there so down 8.1 percent in the northeast that's okay arun and i are very used to you misspeaking really it's very common around here Arun, Me? right you know what i'm talking about brother yes sir and but, i know i know you haven't been chiming in a whole lot today because he shamed you <laughs> so i want you to feel free to speak anytime you want okay <laughs> i'm so nervous my I, knees are shaking i value table. your opinion your knees don't shake they jiggle jiggle Hold. <laughs> you are now on the shit list, Chris. <laughs> Fuck Chris Saeed. Get him. Get him, boy. Get him. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, I had to like contain myself earlier when you said it's kind of lumpy. Oh, yeah? Uh, it, was, it was just lobbing like fat jokes. It was like, Saeed? Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, allegedly. Right. Yeah. So let's get. So I, I like the second chart from the article. Uh, monthly shift in U.S. home prices. This is basically taking the same theory that I just gave you from the previous chart and giving it to you in a in a better visual in my mind. Mm-hmm. So that same period we talked about from 2006 to 2012, where you saw these pretty significant decreases in home values. Right. It shows that even in between this this chart only shows January through August every single year going back to 2000. 23 years of it right right it shows you that even though those values went down and over the course of those several years you look back at it and you go oh my god home values went down all those years yeah there were periods in between months where home values went up so a great example here in 2009 Mm -hmm. january negative 1.4 across the country in home values right negative one percent in february march negative 0.9 percent april i'm sorry did i skip a line i did skip Negative 1.4, negative 1 in, uh, in February. March was negative 0.9%. And then in April, you were down uh, about half a percent. Mm-hmm. In May, you were down only negative 0.2%. And then in June, you went positive 0.3%. In July, you went positive 0.2%. Mm-hmm. And then in August, you went back down 0.1%. Right, so you can see how there was a lot of volatility throughout that particular year, but then you go right back into 2010, and it's negative 0.4 percent, yeah. negative 1.2 percent, and then you hit two more months of positive and a third month of just neutral zero yeah. percent. So, and then you go right back in the negative again, and this this is the way it works. You generally in 2008 you had negative across the board. That's uncommon. 2007 started off mostly positive and went negative the rest of the year, and that's why you had such huge value drops in 2007 2008. Because it was negative for every single month across the, across the board. Right. But in 2009, you started to get a little bit of recovery, but you still had falling months of negativity. When you get more red there than green or more downward than up, mm-hmm. you can still have the same net impact. So as you look through the next several years, going from 2012 all the way to 2022, they're all positive or next to neutral mm, there's not exactly. one negative on the board no lumps in there all body positivity nothing it's all positivity yeah and then you get 2021 and it's way massively positive mm-hmm. 2022 way massively positive right until june of 2022 where it's only 0.4 percent july of 2022 where it's negative 0.3 percent in august where it's negative 0.9 percent mm-hmm then you get into 2023 at 0.2% negative and then guess what february 0.2% positive again right so you look at that and you think to yourself okay well the, the title of this is very deceptive mm-hmm. the title suggests that there's been now an uptick and that you know values aren't going to drop anymore and i would right. say no values are going to continue to drop and we haven't seen the full breadth of the home home value you know correction exactly and what this is saying is is that no other period in, in the last 23 years have you seen the same significant drops that we've seen between July and August in just a single year, in the, which bled into January of 2023, without additional negatives coming after it. Right. You don't get these little blips like this. There's always more to follow. Mm-hmm. So don't buy into the fact that you saw a small, tiny increase of 0.2% to mean that home values are on the uptick and everything's good and, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy. Right. But don't so, get yeah, don't get excited, Chris, when you see that shift in the weight scale. It could just be water weight, bro. It's not water weight. I'm I'm uh, 
I'm uh, proud of who I am. You, are, you should be, honestly. Yeah, I put, put a lot of work into that. And some people are actually hoping that, you know, this bottoming out raises hopes that the U.S. can avoid a recession. Yeah. Unlike Saeed, who is a power bottom. How? I would say wait, the, wait, the oh, bottom. How? I'm I'm a top. We've we've established this. You, you called yourself a power bottom. Make yourself feel better. I don't recall. <laughs> Come on. This article from Bloomberg Business, titled "The Housing Market's Bottoming Out," raises hopes that the U.S. can avoid a recession. And just because values went up, a mm-hmm. slight uptick does not mean that it bottomed out. No, right. That is that is not indicative of bottoming out. I don't know why people think that that's the case. Mm-hmm. The severe contraction in the U.S. housing market over the past year, really severe over the past year, severe compared to what? Yeah, the last fourteen years it didn't go down ever. Right, and now all of a sudden a couple months of going down is severe. Right, yet we have people that are realtors in certain markets still saying, "Oh, home values in my area are still Man, going the up." People that home I really worry are about are those first-time home buyers that only put like three and a half percent down. Oh yeah, those are those are the people I'm most concerned about. As as you should be. I mean, but again, if it's for the utility and they can make the payments and they can afford it, it really doesn't matter what the value is. Then I know, but we so, know we know there's still a million jobs still left to be lost. Oh yeah, or more, or more, yeah, or more, yeah. So uh, the housing traction of the past year uh, over the last past year looks like it may be coming to an end, and the bottoming out is raising hopes on Wall Street that America could avoid a recession altogether. It's beautiful how optimistic people are. And this kind of stuff feeds into their optimism. So I look at articles like this and I say, okay, this was written with a clickbait title mm-hmm. to get people to to want to read what they're putting out there. Right. Not because anybody actually believes this shit. No. That's because historically housing has been a critical driver of the broader business cycle. Low interest rates can boost demand for homes, which drives up prices, building activity, and construction jobs. Mm-hmm. Higher prices also help support consumer spending through the so-called wealth effect, which I believe uh, Gen Zs refer to as balling out. Balling so hard. Balling hard. Yeah. And when the Federal Reserve raises rates, it all tends to go in reverse. So, by the way, real quick. So there's a house on my street that has been baking for the last 10 years. Apparently, you were very salty about this house. I'm not. It, I'm not. It's great. It's it's great. It's great for our, our you neighborhood. Were, you were salty. No, I'm I'm not salty, but I'm salty about the individuals that ended up getting it. So basically, this this older gentleman has uh, been on his deathbed for the last ten years, and now his grandsons are coming in and cleaning up the house. The house has been vacant for ten years, apparently. Right. I've only been there for three years. Can we walk through that house? No. No. Oh yeah. No, because up until recently. Like people had to come in, in like hazmat suits to like clean this place up. I'm telling you, vacant for ten years. Wow. Right? Um, plumbing issues, crazy. Oh yeah, he's if it's it's idle for that long. So I'm like issues. I'm wondering like when do I go in? One day the the kid is uh he's uh there's the a kid. Oh. How old are you, dude? No, you know, I mean he's a kid. And he was like kudos to him. He's doing all the work. Him him uh and his husband are doing all the work getting the house ready to go, right? And he's like pushing out this old Mercedes out of the garage and he needs help like getting it out onto the street. So I go over to help him out naturally, right? He saw you got booty, so you can push it. Like, oh, this guy, yeah. yeah, he's got, exactly. Yeah. He knows. Just, put you, just no. sit on the front hood of it. He saw like, me do some sled work out on the street and mm-hmm. he was like, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, use that sled. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. I've used that. Yeah, it was the last time you used it. Don't, 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 don't make me. Don't last make week. That's last week, Wednesdays. That's a lie. Oh, every Wednesday. So I go over there. I come to find out. This is what he told me. I haven't fact-checked him yet. I haven't had time. But he said, so they, he lives in Germany. 
And he said that inheritance tax over there, 30%. Why is that relevant to him moving into the house? No, I'm just saying he's renovating the house. We were talking about this and it just reminded me. I was like, I couldn't, I wanted to tell you, I couldn't believe it that that's what they charge over there. No, I mean, it's pretty close to what it is in the U.S. Inheritance tax is 30%? Oh, it's up that's, to 50% in some that's, cases. That, that's why you need to yeah, Arun, family can you, trust. Can you look up uh, inheritance tax? I think it's, I think it's about the same here. Mm. On average, I'd, I'd venture to guess it's the same. While he's looking that up, I'll, I, here you go. Introduction, inheritance tax, no, no percentage there. Mm. Yeah, not your best work tonight, brother. <laughs> what, what do you want him to give this guy 10 seconds here, to, let, to let's figure go, it look out? Up, look up, look up. Um, who's the asshole? Look dude. up inheritance tax rate for 2023. Yeah. 18 to 40%. There 18 to 40%. The estate tax, sometimes also called the death tax, the tax that's levied on a descendant's decedents a deceased person's assets in 2023 the federal estate tax range from 18 to 40 percent and generally only applies to assets over 12.92 million oh that's not true come on in 2022 the exemption was 12.06 million okay brother some you states also have a state so there's also state taxes too though yeah but so yeah you, you can imagine give me a give me a second next time chris Jeez, yeah, man. You're supposed to buy him some time. Okay. Be a professional. We're going to have to have this conversation tonight, boys. <laughs> oh. I, I can tell this is going to happen. So. Oh, no. I'm Last, just going to have to be the, I'm gonna have the... To be the adult in the room, okay? Oh, no. No. I don't need to see you in order to tell you what's going on, okay? I am the truth. <laughs> um, Let's zoom in His on true colors are coming. <laughs> yeah, zoom in, go in. Look at camera two. Camera two, I'm looking at you. Hey, Arun, right. I want you to look at my eye sockets while I'm looking at you to the screen. Okay. Right? You were salty tonight, okay? Why was he salty? I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's a backstory here. What happened at home? <laughs> so he almost got himself in trouble last time sharing a story. Remember? Who hurt you? Yeah. Show me on this doll where you were touched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, you're not off the hook either, Chief. Wait, hold on. Wait, okay. what? We have a pattern in practice of you coming in here and drinking caffeine. Uh-huh. This fucking fresca shit ain't working for me. Honestly, man, I've been sleeping so poorly at night, and I have to attribute it to the caffeine that we've been having late. Have you ever considered that it's your guilty conscience for not carrying the workload in here? The fuck out of here, not carrying the workload. You know how hey, many times people hey. call me and say, Chris, okay, I, don't let's know, just, let's just, I don't know what side to do without you. You're such a cunning linguist. And I'm like, just, I don't know either, bro. Let's just uh, let's just do a little Q&A session over here. So, Odun, um, we're supposed to meet at the studio today at 9 o'clock. What time did Chris stroll in? Don't Bro, do this. this don't do the, this. The, you can't do this. Uh, oh, come on. You hey, hold on. We're talking about tonight. No. One we just said tonight. One time. First of all, okay, we're going to have this conversation. I was in fucking Houston this morning. Hey, man. Then I went to Phoenix. I'm so devoted that I didn't I go to- And I still got here. I'm so devoted. I didn't go to Houston. 13 minutes late. I'm so fucking sorry. <laughs> I've slept three hours. I drove through literally fucking three tornadoes. Champion. Three tornadoes last night. Champion. I drove from Dallas to Houston. I feel like we're so- starting to find out who's the salty one tonight. <laughs> I'm not salty, bro. <laughs> Sounds like you're up. a little bit salty. I showed up and said nothing about it. You're over here going, oh, God, he's 13 minutes late. Fuck, ring the alarms. <laughs> hey, I actually was so happy that you took your time. You weren't stressed out. You came well, in so looking. I took my time, man. You, my son. You I borrowed Joanna's hair clip to put on your hair. Like You look good, honestly. I have no idea what you keep talking about, Joanna's hair clip. <laughs> okay. If you actually... Did your own beard trimming or haircuts, you would know that a sophisticated this. barber has clips like this okay. that they use on time, you know, an occasional basis to hold the hair out of the way. Got it. And we've also made it clear that you need to grow your hair out long for once. No, it's not gonna so, happen. So because here's here's my theory. Shaving my head. If you can be an alpha with longer hair, then mm. you're truly an alpha. 
if you turn into a beta when you get longer hair, that says something about you. What, what are you saying? Come on. If, if your manhood is tied solely to your aesthetic, there's a problem. Like me, I've got man boobies and long hair right now. Mm-hmm. I feel totally comfortable in my skin. I'm very as comfortable. flabby as it might be. I'm very comfortable in my skin. No, you're not. What would it take for you to grow your hair? And that's never going to happen. I'll tell you why. Would, why never? Because it, it irks me. I feel dirty. You I have, are dirty, but no, your hair is being like no, that. If, do I don't that. Get, if I don't get like, so I'm, this is actually. There's a whole weird shower thing going on. You have to shower every night before you go to bed. I'll tell I you right dirty. now, I have to take a shower in the morning, take a shower at night. Every day? Every day. That's bad for your skin, oil. Say yeah, what you, you want, man. I feel clean. Skin. <laughs> That's Chris. Look, there's nothing wrong with longer hair. What is, I, what is I, 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 got, I didn't say there was anything wrong with longer hair. I said I personally feel dirty with longer hair. You should do that right here. I feel like you always, yeah, you should do that. That's a good look. That's Listen, that's that's the guy that everybody like you know warns you about. I have the density. I do have the hair density to pull that off. Thank you very much for noticing. Okay, but, don't but, be an elitist. But, okay? Hold on, you on the other hand, my friend. Maybe we should stay away from this one. Yeah, this I, is, I don't have the hair density this, for that. I, I recognize that. I paid a lot of money. I also for my have. Transplant. I also have this guy's jawline. That jawline. Yeah, yeah. Your jawline look looks like a bear claw donut. Oh, don't wait. <laughs> You would know. Yeah. That would be the first thing that comes comes to mind for you. Yeah. Bear claw donut. This guy. Yeah, I know you probably had one this morning. <laughs> no. No. That's a magic spoon. The magic spoon? I did. You did? I really did. Do you actually like that? Oh, I love it. The Fruit Loop flavor, Please. too. He's, he's already, he knows we're going on <laughs> Mind Pump. He knows we're going on Mind Pump. He's like, I had magic spoon, creatures of habit, and I ordered some fucking butcher box for dinner. That's what, he, that's what he's doing. Right I actually haven't had two out of the three, but I have had magic spoon. And I did actually have it today. Raw liver, too? Yeah. Actually, those are all the uh, Mind Pump sponsors. But way to be disconnected, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I got, I got it. I you know, got you it. didn't. You yes, really did. didn't. He's like, oh, Liver King. He's, he's athletic. Yeah, they really pimp. They really pimp about too. that creatures of habit though the oatmeal i want to i want to give it a shot uh i've tried it yeah i'm gonna be honest and i know this don't, is gonna, don't, I, don't. I, I was not a fan why i i so i'm i, I make oatmeal every single morning mm-hmm. it's um 50 grams of oats five ounces of almond milk mix in protein powder some stevia and a little bit of creatine that's where i put my creatine in the morning oh really you and don't then, do post-workout nah it doesn't really matter where you take it and then uh, i throw in some uh a little bit of almond butter or peanut butter mm-hmm. and that's what i have for breakfast every morning Every morning, it's, it's got a lot of seeds and shit in it, mm-hmm. and it just—it I had a bad, I made one batch, and I was like, you know what? Mine's a not my thing, but I bought a shit ton of it just to support the boys, you know. Mine's a half cup of uh, rolled oats with one scoop of protein powder, some it's chocolate protein powder, and then a tablespoon of PB two, a tablespoon of some of chia seeds, a tablespoon of flax seeds, mix in some hot water, gang gang, easy. So um, that's your first or second breakfast? <laughs> that's my first breakfast, dude, at like 10 o'clock. I don't understand how you're maintaining your physique with that. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like that? Don't do that. Don't do the titty popping <laughs> thing again. Was, <laughs> I said nightmares. I went home that last, last week when you do that. I was, in, I was in Houston this morning. I woke up in the hotel. Zaza. Zaza. I was like, oh, God. So your titty's popping. Oh, oh it was awkward. Don't be jealous, bro. You, just because you can't do it. I can do you it. You don't have that. You don't have that mind muscle connection. You're moving your shoulders, bro. That's not moving your titties. I'm buff enough to where I, it moves my shoulders. <laughs> That's why. Uh, All right. Well, the Bloomberg article is full of shit. That's the synopsis there. Mm-hmm. Don't buy into this whole like we're we're selling you your own hopes and dreams back to you and wrapping it up with a little pretty uh you know Getty image of homes on on a street. Okay, that's yeah. not the way this works. I was a little okay? disappointed in Bloomberg there. 
Not, I'm not really disappointed. The wealth really? effect, everyone just looked it up. Definition, what's the wealth effect? I thought this was kind of obvious, but the wealth effect is a behavioral economic theory suggesting that people spend more as the value of their assets rise. Mm-hmm. The idea is that consumers feel more financially secure and confident about their wealth when their homes or investment portfolios increase in value. I mean, as yeah. They are made to feel richer even if the, their income and fixed costs are the same as before. So that's interesting. So here's what I'll say is without knowing it, I think the, the biggest misconception about me is that I spend because I have assets. Mm-hmm. I don't spend the majority of the money that we make. We actually, my wife and I live off of like the base salary of the nine to five job, but everything else goes back into mm. investments or something that we're doing. Generally speaking, it's right. always an investment, but a very, a real popular rule that some people like to live by is like 50% of your income goes to expenses, you know, 30% goes to, you know, entertainment, whatever else you want to spend it on. There's so many variants of that 20, rule. 20% goes to investing. I mean, obviously it's hard. There's a 33% rule where 33% goes to, you know, one third goes to you and you're spending whatever you want to buy for you. Yeah. A third goes to your expenses and a third goes into savings. Yeah. You basically ultimately find something that works for you and make sure that you're at least, you know, putting something away if you can, hopefully at this point in time. If not, work towards that. I constantly tell people, don't make the mistake of like working your ass off, saving and buying an investment property mm. and then stopping working your ass off and saving. Keep working your ass off, right. So in the wealth effect effectively this is what it is, is what it was or what it is, and I just I just didn't mm-hmm. call it that, was that people would buy an investment property and then all of a sudden they're like, oh shit, okay, I'm making $400 or $500 more a month. I can go buy this car that's $300 more. And okay, well, mm-hmm. you've already eviscerated your savings. You should act like that investment property isn't even there. Right, treat it like a retirement account. And that money goes into that account. And guess what? Now that you saved and invested and you got this property, Mm -hmm. right? That happened in, let's say, three years. Yeah. With the property that you got that's cash flowing, you can save and invest again. And instead of it being three years, it'll now be one and a half years. Yes. You buy another property. And now, instead of it taking one and a half years, if you continue to be as disciplined with your spending. And hopefully you're advancing in your career. Yeah, and you're making more out of the places. Mm-hmm. It, you can might save in seven, eight months, right? And buy another property, and that's how this thing really manifests and get big. Yeah, people all the time are like, "Hey, man, like, what did you do? Did you house hack?" I'm like, "No." Did you uh, Did you do this? Did you do that? No, I didn't. Yeah. I did exactly what I'm explaining to you. Right. I just didn't go out there and live like this crazy life. A guy hit me up today, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm looking to buy a, a home. My mortgage payment's gonna be six, seven thousand dollars a month. Like, what do you think?" And I'm like, "That's a lot of mortgage payment." Yeah. He's like, bro, that's chump change for you. I'm like, first of all, you don't know how much I make. Yeah. Stop. Why unless are you, spend, you, why you spending me, my money? Which is creepy. Yeah. But, um, and I'm like, dude, my mortgage payment is $1,700 a month. Yeah. Not, not including HOA. But Obviously, like, I don't know if anyone can find that kind of deal right now ever. No, again. but what I'm saying is, right. is like, but what I'm trying to say is, is, is I didn't spend more because I made more. You could have though, right? I could have, yeah. And now I can, I have the money that I can spend on other things and we haven't really bought any property in the last two years. So the economy is right for it. But, mm-hmm. It's the discipline, man. That's that's the secret. It isn't like house hacking. It isn't all these other things. It's it's the discipline to save and invest, find something that works for you mm-hmm. within reason, and then having the discipline to not take that extra money and change your life. Right. Because most people want to do that. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. That is the difference. That's the cheat code. That is the cheat code. So now, when y'all but, get rich, you're welcome. But just to take it a step further about this Bloomberg article that says that there's a chance of hoping to avoid a recession. Now, 
okay, avoid a recession if Ember doesn't come out and declare a recession, right? It's still, right now, feels like a recession, whether we like it or not. I mean, not. I've long thought that. I mean, it's been over a year now. Right. So I know the Fed's goal this entire time is to get the Fed funds rate above you know the current rate of inflation. They haven't said that, but that's been alluded to by like Milton Friedman and some mm-hmm. of the older and they feel like, economists. And they feel like that could be the most impactful towards fighting inflation is when the Fed funds rate is higher. Typically than, speaking, that that's that's the target metrics. Yeah. Right. So when this episode comes out, the following day will be May third, I believe. Mm, FOMC meeting second to third. Second to third, and um, we're anticipating another twenty-five basis point hike. That'll take us to five to five and a quarter. So I do think there is a path, however narrow, with which the Fed may not increase rates. What? So let's walk down a little hypothetical. It's interesting because I don't see any path. It, it, it's a slim path. I will, I will say that. So right now it's a foregone conclusion. Everybody's consensus is you're going to get 25 basis points on mm-hmm. May 3rd. Okay. And I think that's probably the healthy bet right now. Still. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say between now and uh, May 3rd, the FDIC steps in and takes over First Republic Bank. Okay. Let's say the Fed says, okay, this could create another run on banks. I don't think they said in their last Fed minutes, though, more banks will fail. True. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they want to exasperate the issue by following immediately up with a 25 basis points. Right. The last time banks failed, there was a bigger gap between now, now, the next FOMC meeting was. True. Now, what I will say, though, is perhaps they wouldn't want a bank to fail that has been given the lifelines that First Republic has been given. And, I mean, optically, from the outside looking in, it certainly looks like the Fed went in and did it. Keep in mind, the FDIC is not in the, in the, in the business of keeping banks propped up. They're right. in the interest of protecting the depositors. Right. And their fear, and exactly. Their fear would be that this would be another run on banks. Mm-hmm. So if you're in that scenario mm-hmm. and you're the Fed mm-hmm. and there has been a failure in recent days, is that enough to stop you? Because according to the last FOMC meeting, there was a pretty split decision on not only raising anything at all, but also between raising 25 and 50 basis points. Right. Now, that, that's exactly right, because initially they were going towards 50 basis points, and then a few banks collapsed, and they cut that to 25. Yeah. Right. So I, I think there is a path where that, that, it could, that could happen, and it would be an unfortunate dark path to get there. But, you know, again, 25 basis points is a consensus, and that's probably real. Right. And now there are now, start, you're now starting to see some future bets on even more rate hikes in June. There's, yeah, whether, I don't... That's, whether that's needed or not, I don't know. But I will say this, you know, we're seeing GDP drop from 3.2% to 2.6% now to 1.1% headed in the right direction that the Fed has been targeting, right? However, companies, public companies across mm-hmm. the nation reporting positive earnings, we're seeing low unemployment, 3.5%. Positive earnings, but there's been some pretty significant earnings misses in some cases too. Sure. Right? Still positive earnings, but not making as much as people thought. Right, exactly. And you still have, you have low unemployment. You know, in, initial jobless loss claims are not coming in as high as you know the Fed would like to see. So, what does that make the what does that make the Fed feel like? We have more room to operate. True, and I think that, I think that they do. I think that really I really think they do. If, if going by the metrics that they look at, that we know they look at, I think that they're they're going to feel that way, and I think that they they do. If that's 
what they're trying to do. But although I don't feel like they would lose any credibility if they chose to just hold and credibility, credibility really matters to them. I know it does matter, but what credibility would be lost if they felt like, okay, let's hold. And then they have to now, okay, no, we were wrong. Now at the next following meeting, increase to 25 basis points. I think for some reason, and maybe it's just because of the hypersensitivity to what it is they're doing. There's a lot of people with different opinions on it. I think that in their minds would be a failure if they did that. A failure. Yeah. You, they, know, they, you know, it's a failure. They would acting, lose confidence. You know what? Yeah. Okay. People should have lost confidence when they waited a year too late to start acting. No, I, I hear you. But I think that's what compounds the idea of they don't want to fuck up again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know it sounds crass, but that, that's really what it is. Right. If you're them, like, let's fucking power through this. Because the last thing you want to do is say, you, you, you know, give somebody else a debate of you could have done X, you could have done Y. Let's just power through and do what we said we were going to do. That's it. Okay. Well, what they said they were going to do was initially raise rates anywhere between 5% to 5.4%. This next five and a quarter is right there in that target line and they could stay right there. Yeah. And I think they should. Mm-hmm. This, this will probably be weird to you. In the professional like sense, in the world like a business mm-hmm. where I have to make decisions that are oftentimes impacted by what the Fed is going to do or likely doing. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't envy that. I have, I have taken a very different stance than we have on the show. Interesting. And it doesn't make me hypocrite. It's, it's just, on the show, I want to be, I want to argue both sides. I want to have a thoughtful and pragmatic conversation about what the Fed could do, why they're doing it, mm-hmm. and really understand you know, your side of the of the aisle, my side of the aisle, oftentimes we're aligned, but... Non-black card members versus black card members. See... Um, well, just to clarify, in-group, out-group. No, I, I know I know you're trying to clarify, <laughs> in but... In-group, out-group. There's a lot of groups that I could put you in that I'm not in, okay? <laughs> Thick hair group, non-thin hair group. <laughs> right. Okay? Sexy group, non-sexy group. Yeah. Sexy, non-sexy. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, Mr. Still Your Girl, Mr... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Still Your Girl... <laughs> Mr. Right, Mr. Right, Mr. Right now. Mr. You can watch my girl while I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a good guy. What can I say? Yeah. (laughs) I'm a nice guy. In any event. But in the business world, I've taken a different stance where I've said, we are not predicting what the Fed's doing. Mm. Like kind of with the Jamie Dimon, you know, we talked about last time where, you know, he's already spoken on the issue. Nothing he says is going to be, you know, no one's going to go, oh, shit. You know, Mr. Dimon, this guy, Chris, (laughs) he said, you're a fucking asshole. (laughs) And you know the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. But, and it's kind of like that. So I, I've chosen to say, we're, we're going to do whatever we can to manage the business and we're not going to worry about what the Fed does or doesn't do. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of business owners out there are doing the same thing. And a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are like, meh. You're, da- you're data driven, just like the Fed. It's not even that. It, it's that I'm trying to mind, mind the data in our own ecosystem. Mm. I can't control the, the external factors. Mm-hmm. I can only react to them at this point. So there's, at this point, the, to guess and try to forecast where it's going, it's not worth it. But if the consensus is 25 basis points, I'm going to roll with consensus. Right. But it's like, we'll, we'll adapt and evolve if they continue to make changes. And when they decide to hold, then we can, we can officially move forward. Yeah. we talk talking about billionaires? A lot of people fell off this list in the last year, man. God damn. God damn. Do you know the number? Do you know how many people fell off this list? I don't know how the exact number. I think it's like upwards of like 200 people. Is it really? Yeah. A lot of crypto bros, man. A lot, <laughs> a lot of them were in there. I mean, I'm not even saying that sarcastic. I'm a saying lot, a lot of people general. in the tech space. Yeah. So number one, 
wealthiest person in the world mm. and family, which is insulting. <laughs> yeah, the whole fam. This guy. You know who it is? Yeah, Arnaud. Bernard Arnaud. He's yeah. got five kids. Louis Vuitton, baby. All of them. Hey. All of them are in are in the running for the did job. Did we have an article or did I see it online that like they get together like once a week or like once a month to discuss the family wealth? Yeah, dude, this guy's kids run like all the businesses. Louis Vuitton, right? Louis Vuitton, uh, LVMH, um, Tiffany & Co, Christian Dior. Dude, during the time when, when there's like people, this is this is proof right here. Consumer spending, like, yeah, it's like, hey guys, she don't matter. Up 211 billion dollars that's where he's at he's at age 74 surpassing elon yeah who um he's down he's at 180 billion oh he lost like he lost like 100 bill right number three jeff bezos at 114 billion damn that's after he gave away half uh yeah well he didn't did he really give away fully half though i think so oh anyway oh do you want to look that up i really thought about that yeah you didn't think about that I, I, I honestly I did not think about that. The guy gave away I was like that many billies. I just I just didn't think about it. Well, because I was I was more shocked that Larry Larry Ellison from uh, Bill Oracle, Gates too, bro. Oracle was number four. Bill Gates got a divorce too. That's right, he did. You know he's not out there like. Slanging. What's, it, what's he's not his love slanging. life like? There's no love life, bro. He's for sure got like we're not, porn, we're not right. We're not. <laughs> that's why. He's for sure got like 3D helmets going on. Like, he, bro. I mean, house? it's Bill fucking Gates. It's, yeah. What does it mean to give away a hundred eighteen billion fortune? God damn! Uh, I don't. I don't want to read that. <laughs> it's too sad. Michael Bloomberg, number seven. Carlos Slim, uh, number eight. He's from telecom giant. Uh, Mukesh Ambani, very very uh, stigmatized. He's Asia's richest uh, person. Why? What, what's so stigmatizing about him? He's had a lot of like legal shit, and his children do some weird stuff. It's, his children? Why you got to bring his kids into it? Because it's in the article. His come on, man. There's his, kids. He he sidestepped speculation Turn about me. succession by giving his children key roles last year. Tell you right now, if I was a billionaire, I would expect my kids to do some sidestepping shit too. Y- y'all want this? Y- y'all want this? You just just want to be negative today. What? This is why you need caffeine, bro. <laughs> you out here like theoretically attacking your own Steve kids? Steve Bomber. I hope you lost a shit ton of money. Wow. This guy. Okay, let's get into basketball and sports because I know you want to do that. Yeah. Number one, sports stars, wealthiest. Who, Who is, is it? Tiger Woods? LeBron James? No. Uh, let me, oh, hold on. Oh, Cristiano? So you guys are going for athletes. I apologize. Probably you said clarify. athletes. Uh, Larry Tannenbaum. Wait, he's not an Chairman athlete? Chairman of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Tannenbaum mm-hmm. owns a piece of nearly all of Toronto's sports teams. The Maple Leafs, the Raptors, Toronto FC, and the Argonauts, which is a Canadian football league, I guess. Mm. And he's the owner and longtime CEO of construction company Kilmer Van Norstand Co., I guess. Right. Number two, Mark Davis, Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, wow. You know... Um, 1.9 billion, Mark Davis. His, his dad was yeah. uh, my father-in-law's client back in the day. So his dad was, I think, the original owner. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Al Davis. Yeah. Um, used to buy suits for my father-in-law all the time. Also hard. Yeah. Amy Adams Strunk, Tennessee Titans, $1.7 billion. Mm-hmm. Irving Goosebeck, Go- Grosbeck, uh, Cable in the Boston Celtics, mm. uh, $1.6 Hal Steinbrenner, Jennifer and Jessica Steinbrenner, 
All $1.3 billion. Why does that name sound so familiar? New York Yankees, man. Oh, George Steinbrenner. Oh, Steinbrenner. That's yeah. right. What am I doing? Tiger Woods, first athlete on the list, $1.1 billion golf. Over Jordan. That's got to burn him a little bit. Uh, Jordan is on, on the list. Can't be on the list? Come on. Total Wolf, $1 billion. Formula One, Australia. Michael Australia. Jordan, Jordan got to be a billionaire, right? With his he's a billionaire. Role. I think he's I think he's less than $2 billion U.S. dollars. That's weird. I wonder where he's on the list. Mm. So Larry Tannenbaum was, had a $2 billion worth. Maybe this is like active. The business of sports is booming with teams, several leagues changing. Oh, I mean, it's just, I think this is just all active people, people who are actively involved in sports. Oh, I see. Did, but he, doesn't he own like the Charlotte? The Charlotte Hornets team, yeah. yeah. That's a weird no mention. Yeah, especially somebody's hanging on Jordan. I think you have to submit yourself. I think that's the problem with Forbes, too. I think you have to like submit or your team have to the submit Jordan you. I don't care, bro. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Like, y'all know the brand. Ooh, there's a lot of money masters here. There's youngest. Hmm? Youngest? Yeah, the drop offs, though. Oh, let's talk about the drop-offs. Number one drop-off, Saeed, go. The number one drop-off the list? Oh, you already geez. know this name. You love to hate him. I love to hate you him? You refer to him with three letters. Oh, He is a world-class too. piece of shit. His parents Sam are professors. Bankman. The uh, one and only SBF and me in the A. Yeah. Kanye got to be up there, too, right? Uh, He's... That made me, I don't know why S- I correlated SBF with Kanye. Number two, Yvonne Chouinard. Net worth less than a hundred million, down from one point two billion. I mean, how many billion do you got to lose before you jump out a window? Yeah. Um. Yes, the majority of the blame for being the enemy of nature. Give up his spot in September when he donated his outdoor. Oh, this is the Patagonia guy. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling bad for him. He balls so hard. Um, this stuff is uh, like unnecessarily expensive. Yeah, I don't understand the brand. I don't get the hype. You like their stuff? Uh, I'm not a huge fan, but I'm not like a hiker. Yeah, but even like non-hikers wear their shit. I don't, they don't also make tall stuff. So I'm tall. Yeah. So I like buy like a lot of it's Nike like the people that The people that drive around the Subarus like their shit. I like correlate them together. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, I would love to talk to you for a lot longer about this. Come on, let's do it. But I really have to pee. <laughs> wow. Yeah. First time on the show. Yeah, the two beers. I drink a lot of water when I got the plane because I wanted to rehydrate because, you know, you dehydrate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can say goodnight or not, but I'm going to leave. I miss you. Yeah, I miss you too. We're not doing this. Right, How are you doing? What, I see doing you, what? bro. Doing what? So I wait, see you. What are we doing? Are we uh-huh. having lunch tomorrow? Oh, we're having lunch tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Please. <laughs>I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.